Okay, hi everyone. Before we move on to Descartes, which I have some exciting ideas for, by the way, let's return briefly to a critique of Bacon, who I introduced here. Remember, there are many avenues of critique we could take, but I'm concentrating specifically on what we've inherited from these thinkers today. Which parts of their thought are parts of our own psychologies and cultures? And where might there be some limitations? So, what did Bacon give us? Well, induction, the scientific method, experimentation. His was a theory of epistemology, a theory about knowledge. He said that knowledge about the world comes from the senses and should be carefully and systematically collected to make use of instrumentally. Okay, so there are two lines of criticism I'd like to discuss today. First, the idols, the idea that knowledge is distorted by human cognition. And second, his idea of discovery specifically the difference between discovery and creation. My main argument here will be that Bacon neglected the subjective element in epistemology. As you'll recall, the idols are what today we'd call cognitive or subjective biases that distort knowledge about the world and limit our ability to accurately collect it. Bacon called them idols of the tribe, the cave, the marketplace, and the theatre. Take idols of the tribe. These are the idols of human nature. We're biased, we're emotional, we're irrational, for example. He says that subject to influence from the will and the emotions, a fact that creates fanciful knowledge, in short, Emotion marks and stains the understanding in countless ways which are sometimes impossible to perceive. Now, today though, we know that emotion is an integral part of our cognitive process. It guides us as much as reason and logic do. As Heidegger says, we always have some kind of mood that paints our perception of the world. Discoveries are driven by fear, joy, desire, laughter, comfort, jealousy, empathy, as much as they are by reason and logic. This is something the Romantics believed too. Emotions aren't undesirable. They're a part of our nature and must be a part of the philosophical picture. The same critique can be applied to Bacon's idols of the cave, the idols of our particular individual nature. He says, for example, that men fall in love with particular pieces of knowledge and thoughts, as if this itself is a problem. Well, of course we do. We all have interests, hobbies, are guided by our cultural and intellectual beliefs. So when Bacon hoped that we could free the mind from these idols to discover more perfect knowledge, he was mistaken. The key word here is discover, 
as if knowledge only comes to us from the outside, to be uncovered. Let's think about this more carefully. What would this mean? We'll focus on the question of where knowledge comes from, what its source is. Throughout Bacon's work, we keep coming back to the idea that knowledge comes from outside us, from God and from what God has left us in nature to uncover. We then induct that knowledge through the senses. We can uncover a clue to why this is a problem in the very title of his book, The New Instrument. Now, the word new appears in many titles of the great books of the time. Galileo's The Two New Sciences, Kepler's A New Astronomy. What does new really mean? Well, if knowledge comes from nature or God, then new knowledge and technology is being given to us. But that gives the impression that we, as humans, are inactive participants. But clearly we have some kind of role to play in creating the new. There's a really important question here about how we create the future, how the future unfolds. Do we just discover the future, discover innovation? Discovery was an important theme in Bacon's day with the discovery of the new world and the rediscovery of ancient philosophers during the Renaissance. He said, for example, that for my way of discovering sciences goes far to level men's wits and leaves but little to individual excellence because it performs everything by the surest rules and demonstrations. We see again and again that Bacon presumes truth is external to us, objective, ready to be discovered. The idols are simply in the way, blocking this. But what if we took a different approach? That we, as humans, are participants, not in the discovery of knowledge, but in the creation of knowledge. For the Romantics, for example, epistemology was a synthesis between our perception, our interpretation, and our imagination of the world. We are part of that process. We create knowledge. We guide scientific discoveries and innovation by our passions, our interests, feelings, emotions, values, imaginations, and temperaments. Knowledge creation, then, is subjective. As the historian Lewis Mumford has described it, our scientific world picture is under-dimensioned because the fidelity to observed fact devalues every aspect of human experience. Bacon privileges the observed and the discovered over the created. The epistemologist Jean Piaget also wrote that I think that human knowledge is essentially active. To know is to assimilate reality into systems of transformation. Knowing an object means acting upon it, constructing systems of transformations that can be carried out on or with this object. 
For Piaget, the world is not out there waiting to be absorbed or written onto the blank slate of the mind, but knowledge is a product of an interaction, a symbiosis between our mind and the world. Our mind is a part of the world. It's the world working upon the world. Now, postmodern and romantic philosophy brings this subjective movement back into the picture. And Bacon does hint at this idea, especially when he emphasises that science should look for what is useful. He just doesn't pursue the question further enough. Useful to who? Useful to what? His is, though, a philosophy of action, of creating the future. He said, for example, we too need first to elicit the discovery of true causes and axioms from every kind of experience. And we must look for illuminating, not profitable experiments. And he also said that the true and legitimate goal of the sciences is to endow human life with new discoveries and resources. So we can distinguish in Baconian thought between the static and the dynamic parts of epistemology. Yes, there are objective laws which are static and changing, but even when these are discovered, knowledge about them created and then used, it's with subjective minds. Most knowledge, though, is dynamic. It changes over time. This is especially true when scientifically studying humans. Knowledge creation is organic. It responds, transforms. Humans are reactive. Now, that's why there's something called the replication crisis in psychology at the moment. Studies in the past have been impossible to reproduce in the present. Why? Because people, the world, things, they change. Which, in conclusion, brings me back to another of Bacon's idols. Idols of the marketplace, of human communication. He points to the problem of how humans can invent names of things that do not exist. But this is a key part of experimentation, of observation, of creation, inventing the future and inventing concepts and names for it. We have to remember that the future does not unfold. It's not discovered, but is created by us. Okay, well, what do you think? Have I been unfair to Bacon? What do you like or dislike about Bacon's thoughts? Let me know in the comments below. I'm working on the next video on Descartes, but also in the meantime, I might briefly at some point talk about Trumpism. Either way, thanks for watching and see you next time.